If you have your Bible today, I'd ask you to turn with me to Matthew 4. We're going to look at verses 3 through 10. title of the message today is, Who Are You? We're going to be talking about that together. Now, when the tempter came to Jesus, he said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. Jesus answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city and set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it's written, He shall give his angels charge over you. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. And he said to Jesus, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him alone shall you serve seems like in this passage that Satan is asking and prodding and questioning Jesus about who he is. You know, it's like he's saying, who are you? And then again and again, he says, if you are the Son of God, if you are. Jesus, of course, knew who he was, and he knew who Satan was, and this morning... As we look at this uh, paradox, these questions and answers going back and forth, we want to ask, do we know who we are? You know, it's real important that we have a firm handle on who we are and what we're about and where we're going and what we stand for, what we believe. Those things are very, very important. Children are not sure who they are. You know, the parents of little children, from the time they're born until they're about two years old, they're saying to them, stand up, stand up. And they hold their hands, and they try and kind of help them up. And then they say, now walk, walk, walk a little bit. And then they say, okay, speak, speak. (laughs) Say, dada, mama. Well, they do that for two years, you know, four or five times a day. And then when they finally get to be two years old and they're standing up and they're walking around and they're talking, the parents say, sit down, be quiet. (laughs) Sit down, be quiet. It's confusing for the children. And You know, we need to be really nice to our children because they're the ones that are going to pick our nursing home. We want to treat them right. Kids, a lot of the time, don't know who they are. Do we know who we are? A lot of people wanted to tell Jesus who he was. Satan said to Jesus, why don't you be this kind of person? Why don't you bow down and and worship me? Well, Jesus said, no, I don't want to be that kind of person. I am not going to bow down and worship you. I'm not going to do that. 
The Pharisees and the Sadducees said to Jesus, we want you to be this kind of person. Be very legalistic and really kind of keep your distance from the people. And Jesus said, no, I don't want to be that kind of person. Some of the local religious leaders said, for heaven's sakes, don't eat with the sinners. Like Matthew over there, the horrible tax collector. Don't get around him. Don't eat with him. Don't do anything with him. And Jesus said, well, I want to eat with sinners. I want to interface with all the folks in our society. And I want to talk with them and teach them about the kingdom of God. A lot of people said to Jesus, you should fast regularly. And you should always have a pious face. And you should act very religious all the time. All the time. The Samaritan woman told Jesus, Jews don't have anything to do with Samaritans. And Jesus' disciples were just amazed when Jesus was talking to this Samaritan woman. Both she and they thought, that it was very inappropriate for Jesus to talk with a Samaritan woman. Well, Jesus was the kind of person who wanted to talk to everybody. He didn't care who they were. He wanted to talk to everybody. And even though he knew this uh, woman was a prostitute, he knew that she didn't have many morals, he said to the disciples, well, she has a heart. And she has goals, and she has thoughts, and, and we need to support her and lift her up. We need to reach out to her, and people like her. He was so kind at every juncture. You know, the soldiers fell at the foot of the cross before our Savior. They mocked him. They stripped him of his clothes. They put on him a scarlet robe. They bowed before him. They mocked him. They said, Hail, King of the Jews. You are a king, aren't you? Well, they spit on him. They mocked him over and over again. The crowd mocked him. And the crowd said, If you're the Son of God, then come down from the cross. You don't need to be up there if you're the Son of God. Just show your strength. Show your power. Come on down. Every one of the soldiers, everybody in the crowd was having the same thought. This is just another religious nut. You know, he thinks he's so special, but he's not. Well, as some time passed, some very odd things began to happen. Very odd. The veil of the temple came apart. That had never happened before. Nobody cut it. Nobody pulled on it. It just came apart. It just split right down the middle. And the high priest thought, what in the world? This is terrible. This has never happened before. What are we going to do? You know, and they were all, all the religious leaders, they were just beside themselves what was going on. They couldn't believe that this had happened. This was awful. And then what happened? The ground started shaking. You know, if you've never been on ground that's shaking, 
you've missed something. <laughs> when the ground starts shaking, it, it really brings a, a fear to your heart. I mean, you don't know what's going to happen next. You don't know if it's going to open up and you're going to fall in. You know, it's really scary. And then some of the graves opened, the graves. And dead people stood up and life came back to them. And they walked back into town to be with their families. And everybody was talking about all these things. And everybody was so worried. They thought, was this the end of the world? What in the world is going on here? They just couldn't believe it. And right in the middle of all of this, the sun goes out in the middle of the day. And it's pitch dark in the middle of the day. And nobody can believe it. They're just saying, good night. Why, why is this happening? And somebody says, you know that guy that they crucified? He said he was the son of God. I can't think of any rational explanation for all these things that are happening, but but maybe he was right. Maybe he, he was the son of God. Maybe we just didn't understand that he was the Messiah, the one sent for us. Maybe we just didn't understand the power the glory that he had. Maybe he really was the son of man. Well, Jesus knew who he was. There wasn't any question about that. During his whole life, during his time of dying, during the time of his death, he knew who he was. Do we know who we are? That's the question of this morning. Jesus said many times in his life, I know who I am, I know what kind of person I am, and I am not going to let anybody mold me into what they want me to be. I'm not going to allow that to happen. Many people try and tell us uh, who we are. You know, when we're growing up, our parents make a lot of decisions for us. They try and guide us into the right vocation. They try and guide us into the right kind of friendships. They don't want us hanging out with hoodlums and uh, robbers and thieves and all that. They try and pick out our wife or our husband for us because they want us to get somebody that would be real good. Well, all of those things, you know, then our company picks out our a retirement plan for us. A lot of decisions are sort of made for us. There's a long development that we go through toward self-realization. It is more difficult when things around us are not certain. Now, if America has ever been in an uncertain age, it's right now. We are fighting wars all over the place. We don't even know how many countries uh, we're in in war with. We have special ops people over here, and we have spies over here, and we have satellites over here, and every once in a while we send a bomb over there, and then we send a, a missile over there, and we have these drones that are everywhere. We don't know. We don't know. I watched the 
the news every night, and I try and keep up with the stuff that's going on. And, and the news, of course, is saying that uh, the stock market soon is going to fall. It's going to be worse than 08, and we're going to just lose everything. You know, there's all kinds of people saying that. Uh, in the magazines, on TV, in the newspaper, they're expecting uh, a big uh, fallout. Well, things are uncertain. The leaders of our country watched Greece, a totally socialistic country. They watched Greece fall apart before the whole world. Everybody knew what was going on. You know what the government people did? They went to the banks and they said, okay, who's got so much money? And if you had this much money, everything above that they took. They didn't say, please. They didn't say, would this be all right with you if this happened? They didn't do any of that. They just took it. The people were rioting. They couldn't get into the banks. It was awful. This socialistic country just fell totally apart. More recently in Venezuela, same thing happened. The country literally has fallen apart. There's no order. Uh, There's rioting in the streets. The people that are well-to-do are out going through garbage cans trying to find food. Talk about an uncertain time. And our leaders, many of our leaders from both parties, seems like they want to get us as quickly as we can to become a socialistic country. And I'm thinking to myself, this is unbelievable. Just unbelievable. Well, in the 20s, Sigmund Freud said the problems of life come from the conflict between sexual impulses and social taboos. In the 30s, Otto Rank said, the problems of life come from the feelings of inadequacy and guilt. Every decade in our history, the experts, the writers, are all saying this is the reason that people don't know who they are. This is the reason that people are in such despondency. This is the reason uh, that we have got to do this and this and this. Many have said that the problem in our day, the big problem, is emptiness. That's our big problem. People say, how can I know who I am? I feel so empty. I don't know if you uh, read the newspaper every day, watch the news every day, Um, if you have, then you've noticed some really alarming stories out of New Hampshire. There is a large number of people, I don't know how many, but hundreds if not thousands of people that in the last year or two have just quit working and started taking drugs. They're just sitting around. Have you seen that on the news? They're just sitting around. They're not doing anything. They're just sitting there taking drugs. That's what they're doing. Well, do you let other people tell you who you are and what you ought to be doing and where you ought to go? You may feel empty and you don't know who you are. So you just become who people tell you that you are. That's all that you can reach out to. 
Humans cannot live with strong feelings of emptiness for long periods of time. If we're not growing towards something, if we're not growing into something that we believe in, that we think is important, then despair and despondency and maybe even destruction come to our lives. We desperately need to develop our inner resources, get a sense of direction, and then start moving in that direction. When the great masses of people don't know who they are or what direction they ought to go, you know what happens in that situation? Totalitarianism comes in and fills the void. That's been proven over and over and over again. But the message of the Bible is that we can only become a total person as we integrate ourselves with the Lord and with his people. If we will do that, if we will do that, then we will find fulfillment in reason and rationality in progress in our daily walk. You remember Jesus said the two most important things. Somebody asked me one time, you know, what, what's the main deal with Christianity? And, of course, I just said what it says in the Bible. It says you're supposed to love God and love your fellow man. You know, if we can do that, then we're on the right path. We can come to know who we are if we do that. If we love God and love our fellow man. Well, our care uh, group ministry in our church, is really important. Mary McCarty uh, got this going in our church, and I think it's just wonderful. I have uh, thanked her uh, 4,010 times <laughs> for doing this. I mean, in all the folks that are in our Bible study classes, uh, they're on a care group, and the care group leaders uh, contact them and stay in touch with them and see if there are some spiritual needs in their life and they watch over them and they, they show, really they show their love. Well, that is very important. When you know some people care about you, you know some people are praying for you, you know some people love you, that makes a big, big difference. If you don't know who you are and what you're doing and how you feel, for great periods of time, you know what's going to happen? Psychosomatic illnesses will overtake your life. You will be so open to suggestion. Now, folks, you don't want to be open to a lot of suggestions in our world today. You don't want that. When I was in the third grade, my father moved our family to Baltimore, Maryland. He was doing his graduate work at Johns Hopkins uh, University. And uh, so we rented a small apartment uh, upstairs in this lady's house. And that was, uh, that's what we did. Uh, the lady that owned the house lived downstairs, and she was pretty quiet and uh, seemed to be pretty nice. Her name was Nagengast. 
Have you ever met anybody named Nagengast? I never have, other than her. Well, I was running around all the time. I was, you know, I was in the third grade. I was running around all the time, talking, yelling, screaming. You know, I was just a kid. I was in the third grade. That's what third graders do. And I'm sure I almost drove that lady insane. One day, as I was running up the stairs uh, to our apartment, yelling at a friend of mine, this lady, Miss Nagengast, came out, and she said, Ron, Ron, come over here. And I went over there, and she said, uh, how are you feeling? And I said, I feel fine. And she said, well, you know, you're, you have some discoloration on your face. And I wasn't real sure what that was, but it didn't sound good. <laughs> and she put her hand on my forehead. And she said, I think you have a fever. She said, you need to go upstairs and lay down <laughs> for a couple of hours. Well, I went upstairs, and I, I did what she said. I went upstairs, and I laid down, and I thought, what is wrong with me? I must have something terrible wrong. And then I remembered there were two kids at school that were really sick, and they had to stay home. And I said, I caught what they have. I'm about to die. They're really sick. They're, they haven't been in school in a week. And I got to thinking about that. I thought, this is awful. Well, I, was, I stayed in bed for about three hours, and my parents called me to supper, and so I went to supper, and my mother said, uh, where have you been? And I said, well, I, I went to bed. I said, Miss Nagengast uh, told me I, my face had discoloration, and she put her hand on my forehead, and she said I had a fever. She told me to lay down, and my parents started laughing. <laughs> I thought that was cruel. <laughs> they just started laughing. And uh, I said, why are you laughing? And they said, you were really open to suggestion. And I said, uh, I guess so. There wasn't one thing in the world wrong with me. And I got right up. You know what was happening there? She was telling me who I was. And you know that happens to all of us. Somebody wants to tell us who we are. And they want to tell us what we ought to be doing. And what we ought to be about. Anxiety can give you all kinds of things. Ulcers, heart attacks, terrible things. Shakespeare said present dangers are less than future imaginings. And that is so true. One night uh, in that very same apartment in Baltimore, I was sleeping on a cot. I always slept on the cot while we were in Baltimore uh, in the kitchen. I was on a cot in the kitchen. And I woke up during the night, I don't know why, and I looked over, and I thought there was a man standing in the kitchen. Looked like a man, you know, it had the shape of a man, and there was a hat. And I thought, I'm, I'm going to get murdered. 
there's a man in our kitchen, and it's the middle of the night, and he's not saying anything. And I was so scared I could hardly move. I couldn't scream. At first, I tried to scream. Couldn't scream at all. I was so scared. So I, I just looked at him. I thought, if I move, he's going to kill me. So I stayed, you know, real quiet, and I didn't move. And I watched this man uh, for I don't know how many hours were left in the night, but I lay there and watched him. And then the sun came up. And as the sun came up, I realized it was a coat hanger. There was a coat hanger on the uh, pole there, and a coat was on it, and there was a hat on top of that. And I thought, uh, this has been the most horrible night of my life. And there wasn't anything wrong. You know, if we know who we are, and we can believe in ourselves, and if we can realize that Jesus is at our side, then we can handle anything, absolutely anything that is coming, present or future. In our text this morning, Satan was basically telling Jesus that he was in charge. He's saying, I, Satan, I'm in charge. That's what he was doing. Satan was presenting a false picture of the situation. He was saying, you know, the future is going to have me in charge. That's what Satan was saying. There are tremendous centers of strength within each of us that are here this morning. And we need to get in touch with those centers of strength. Jesus says, lo, I am with you always. We need to claim that promise And apply it to the scary times of our life. You know, all of us have some scary moments. If you've ever been in a car wreck, you you maybe for a second or two see it coming. And those are very, very bad seconds. Because you know it's happening and you don't know exactly what to do. So you just kind of watch it happen. You know, that's about all you can do. When it's two seconds away. Well, if we have developed Christian habits and strength of character and godly friends and with Jesus at our side, we can face those scary moments. We can have victory over those scary times. Socrates said, know thyself. Today, we must realize that we do not stand alone. We're not alone. Some people say to me, I hear this almost every week, you know, I'm so alone. Well, you're not alone. The Lord is at your side. Uh, Any number of folks are just a phone call away. Uh, Our Lord is with us. Our church family is with us. Our Christian friends stand with us. Our Lord stands with us. And he does not want us to fail. Some people say, well, you know, you've got to have the right contacts. If you have the right contacts, everything is going to work out great. Just great. You'll have achievement, success. You'll climb the ladder to prosperity. Everything is going to be great. But in actuality, even with those contacts, 
we see it not working in our society, in our community. Many times we end up with ulcers, depression, all kinds of problems. I do believe that we need the right context, but I don't think you're going to find them on the social pages of the newspaper. Uh, They're not really there. I really believe that we become pleased with who we are in contact with if it's our loving Lord who gave his life for us on Calvary's cross. And if we are close with his people. Now, if you've got a bunch of friends that are pulling you down, you've got to think that through. You're going the wrong way. And it is going to drag you down. As trouble and anxieties and evil urges beset us, we need to do what Jesus did in our text today. We need to answer with Scripture. That's what Jesus did. I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. Philippians 4.13 If I will confess my sin, he will forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1, 9. You know, if, if we'll do those things, if we'll know the Word of God, if we'll stand for the Word of God, if we'll stand with the Lord, if we'll stand with His people, then all of these horrible things that go on around us won't be a part of our life. Now, I'm not saying you're going to be healthy all the time. You're not going to be. But I am saying that in the middle of the very worst day of your illness, you can have the joy of knowing that the Lord is right there with you and that he loves you and he's standing for you. Well, who are you today? If you are not a part of the family of God, then Jesus is not in your heart. And that, of course, is the bottom line for everything. That's the message of Christianity. That's the reason we're here today. That's the the bottom line, as they say. And if Jesus isn't in our heart, we're not a part of the family of God. It's just that simple. Well, what we do week after week, month after month, year after year, I have some friends here this morning from Phoenix. They're sitting right down here. Y'all raise your hand. These are dear friends of mine. They listened to me preach terrible sermons about 30 years ago. (laughs) And they loved me anyway. And uh, we're friends. And, you know, through the years, it's been a joy to know that I had some people in Phoenix that loved me, cared about me. I have some friends, you know, in most every state. I have some friends here. I had some friends in my last church. And you know what? Those people will stand with me. And and that's the way it needs to be for everybody in this room. You know, when you feel that, when you know that, the Spirit of the Lord is in you, and, and you know it. And there's nothing that anybody can do to take that away from you. You've got it. Well... This morning, if there's one within our our room here, I hope this would be the day 
that you would trust in Christ as your Lord and Savior, that you'd nail it down. You know, you might be thinking, well, gosh, I think I'm a Christian. You know, that isn't going to do at the judgment bar. You've got to know. It's got to have happened. You know, you've got to be sure about it. Well, if you're not sure, today, why don't you take a stand for Jesus? Just slip down one of these aisles and come to the front and say, Pastor, I want to nail it down today. I want to know for 100% sure that Jesus is the Lord of my life. You know, if we confess our sins and place our faith and trust in him, then we're a part of the kingdom of God, the family of God, the people of faith. And that's where we want to be. If there's some of you here today that have been visiting with us for a period of time, you know that you need a church home. We want to involve you in the ministry of this church. Come and join with us and serve with us as we try and be responsible in our uh, duties as a Christian person. I'm going to stand right down here at the front. If the Lord leads while we sing the hymn, you just slip out and slip forward. Let's stand together as we sing.